If you've been on the Bible bus as we journey through Philippians, you'll be glad to know that today we continue our study on the source of our power for Christian living, joy. Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, your host on this five-year journey through God's entire Word. And as you find your seat on the Bible bus, I got a few letters that will bring us all some joy today. Our first one is from Cammie in Washington. She shares this. My sister and I are in our early 60s. We have been in church most of our lives, learning about God's Word. We decided to listen to the book of Revelation online and call each other on Tuesday evening to discuss what we had learned. Well, that was only the beginning. We enjoyed the study so much, we decided to keep listening. That was two years ago. We have learned so much. Studying the Word of God every day has made a huge difference in our overall understanding of the whole Word. We plan to invite others to join our weekly Bible study. Thank you for continuing the work of Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for writing to us, Cammie. We're so glad to have you both, you and your sister aboard, and we can't wait to see how your small group grows. Our next letter comes from Kent in Corona. He says, Six months ago, I had never heard of Through the Bible or Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Six months ago, I also didn't know the first thing about how to read a book of the Bible, its historical context, its structure, and the beauty of seeing Jesus hiding in plain sight for anyone to see. If only they would just look. My small group leader introduced the Book of Revelation Bible Companion study to us and encouraged us to, at the least, read a lesson each week and the Bible passage every day. That little assignment changed everything for me. Eventually, I also listened to Dr. McGee's fuller explanation. I feel like this study has opened a whole new world for me. Now I am with you on the Bible bus, and I understand that I'm joining with a company of people who have been traveling this road for decades. Well, make room for me, and maybe some more I'll bring along with me. This stuff is too good not to share. Well, welcome aboard, Kent, and please accept my invitation to invite everyone you know. There's always room for one more on this Bible bus. And if you'd like to download our free Bible companions that Kent referenced, specifically the one on Revelation, we'd be glad to get those to you. They're for free. Just go to ttb.org, and also the entire New Testament should be posted there for you to use and download for free. Now, here's some good news from a listener who joins us by app, and he says, I wish to share and celebrate with you, my fellow Bible bus passengers, that I have just completed my first five-year cycle. I initially hopped aboard during the study of the Psalms after stumbling across a reference to Dr. McGee in an online Christian article. I now listen every day on the app, but I also subscribe to the podcast should, for any reason, I miss a day. I also flag your This Week on the Bible Bus email just to make sure I've got what I need. I am also a member of the World Prayer Team and often click on the map to find out more about the country we are praying for. It is such an encouragement to hear the stories from people in these countries and know that God's Word never returns to Him empty. Well, getting through your first five-year cycle is certainly a great accomplishment. And as you know, the World Prayer Team is near and dear to my heart. So to those of you who haven't joined us yet, you need to go sign up today, ttb.org forward slash pray. And together we get to pray for God's whole word to reach his whole world. And if you too want to keep track of our travels on the Bible bus, then why don't you sign up for our This Week on the Bible Bus email at ttb.org. Our final note is actually a post. This one's on Facebook from Al. He wrote, I thank God he loved me in spite of me rejecting him and running from him for years. So much so, he saw to it I'd survive almost 40 years of self-destructive behavior and make it to the day I'd finally surrender to him. It blows my mind and brings me to tears every time I think about it. Well, amen. Thanks, Al, for sharing your story with us. 
I said at the beginning of the program today, hearing from our listeners is one of our greatest joys. So if you haven't been in touch for a while, why don't you take the time today to contact us? You know, we'd love to hear about how God is using his word in your life and how you're sharing it with others. You can email us. That's the easiest. Biblebus at ttb.org or write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C 6B1. Remember, you can also call and leave a message at 1-800-65-BIBLE or like Al, leave a note on our Facebook page. Now, as we come to our study, let's thank God for his word and our fellow passengers. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that gives us instruction, comfort, and especially joy. Fill us with your joy today, Lord, and help us to share it with others. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. We're headed now to Philippians 4 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, if you have found your place, friends, at Philippians 4.4, we shall begin today. We're in the last chapter of this very wonderful epistle that has a great emphasis on Christian living. We saw in chapter 1 the philosophy, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then the pattern for Christian living Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Then the prize for Christian living in chapter 3, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you've noticed that the Lord Jesus is the very center and circumference. He is the very heart and the periphery of Christian living. Now, here in chapter 4, we see the power of Christian living, and that is highlighted when we get to verse 13. I can do all things in Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, we were down to verse 4, and in this first section, we have the source of power. First four verses. Then we'll see the secret of power. Then we see the sanctuary of power, verses 8 and 9, and then from verse 10 through the remainder of this chapter, the satisfaction of power. Now, we want to come here now to the fourth verse, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, joy is the very source of power in Christian living. Rejoice in the Lord always. That means always. That means that regardless of the day, whether it's dark or bright, whether it's difficult or easy, whether we're facing problems and temptations, or whether we're sailing through the sky on cloud nine, whatever cloud it is, that is the thing that we're told and commanded, and this is a commandment now for believers. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, he repeats it in case we missed it. Rejoice, rejoice. That is something you and I can't work up from beneath. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. That's the second thing. Now, there is no power in a Christian's life except 
through joy. A sad Christian has no power. And one that does not experience the joy of the Lord has no power at all. Notice what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8.10. This is a tremendous passage, by the way. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's your power. You see, these people, many of them that had been in the Babylonian captivity, had never heard the Word of God. Never. They were as much in the darkness as any pagan or heathen would be today. And now, for the first time, they've heard the Word of God. They've heard it read. They've heard it explained. And it has been a thrill to their hearts. And they weep because of it. Now, Nehemiah said, wait a minute. You're not to weep. Today is a day, a great day. You're to share the blessings, the physical blessings that God has given to you, and you're to enjoy it. God wants you to. He's given us richly all things to enjoy. And to enjoy means rejoice. And that's your strength. That's your power. You can't be a Christian with power without joy in your life. That's what gets up the steam. That's the sowest of it. And let me illustrate that, because this is something that the world has taken over. In fact, they've made it rather hypocritical. Today, you find that salesmen that want to sell something, they're generally very happy fellows. You never went in to buy anything at a store and have the salesperson begin to weep on your shoulder. When you ask about a certain product, why, they begin to smile and tell you how wonderful it is. That's the way they do. That is his sales approach, I'm sure. But a child of God ought to have it in reality. And there'd be power in our lives if we had a little bit more joy in our lives. fact of the matter is, the world tries to even work that up. In fact, they spend a great deal of money trying to produce joy. And they call it happiness, and they are after that. I tell you, the millions of dollars are spent in nightclubs. These comedians are living like millionaires because that's what they are today. All they do is tell a few stories. And people are shelling out money. Why? They want to laugh. They want a little happiness as they go through this life. And the child of God that goes through today life with a sour look and a jaundiced approach to this world, he'll never have any power in his life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now the world today tries to work it up another way. I have noted in going around to these motels that they all have bars, very few exceptions, and that they also have what they call a happy hour. Well, I've watched folk who go in there, and none of them look happy when they go in, and I give you my word, in an hour or two hours when they come out, I can't see there's been any improvement. But they've had a happy hour. They 
feel like if they drink enough of the stuff, why, it will help them overcome the problems of life and give them a little happiness. And a great many people are trying to compensate for the inadequacies in their own lives in that manner. And I saw something new. It was new to me. We were up in Medford, Oregon, and at the Holiday Inn, and I came back, told my wife, I said, they don't call it happy hour here. They call it the attitude adjustment hour. Now, that is quite new, and I would very frankly recommend that churches have an attitude adjustment hour. And it would be very helpful, by the way. Every Sunday morning, here comes Mrs. Brown, and she's got a lot of things to tell. She's heard some choice gossip during the week, and she can't wait to spread it at the church. Well, it'd be wonderful if you could take Miss Brown into a very attractive room and give her a cup of coffee and get her in a sweet mood and make her shame to go around and tell those terrible things about some church members. And maybe the pastor, even. I don't know, she might be talking about him. And then here comes Deacon Jones. And I want to tell you, he's breathing out fire like a dragon of the Middle Ages because things just don't go to suit him. And it'd be nice to take him in and, you know, to cool him off and help him recover his cool so he could go in and enjoy the sermon. May I say to you, we need an attitude adjustment hour, a happy hour in the church. And frankly, the devil sure has got in his licks. He's made folk believe today you can't have fun going to church. And I think you can. I think you ought to. I think it ought to be a joyful place. And that is the place of power. I've heard in times past that the prayer meeting is called the hour of power. Well, that's nice. But we need a little something else. We need to get back to the source. And the source of power is joy. And instead of praying in the prayer meeting for things and for God to do something, why not pray that he give us joy in our lives? There's a song I used to sing at the summer Bible schools when I was a young preacher and conducted them. Down in the dump. I'll never go. That's where the devil keeps me low. Now, that is a song that has a real theological message. That's exactly what he wants to do, is to take away the joy in your life, because that is the source of power. Now, we come to the secret of power in verses 5 through 7. First, he says, "...let your moderation be known unto all men." Matthew Arnold translated that sweet reasonableness. I like that. Let your sweet reasonableness be known unto all men, that you are a reasonable believer, that you are not a bigot in your faith. I think we ought to have deep convictions. I believe in that. But we ought not to be given to bigotry or riding a hobby, always emphasizing some little point. What we need is to emphasize a big point because we have one. And that big point is the person of Christ. And if you're going to ride a hobby, let him be the hobby, by the way. Let your sweet reasonableness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Paul believed that the Lord Jesus would come at any moment. And Paul wasn't looking for a great tribulation 
to enter at all. He says, here, the Lord's at hand. And that's quite wonderful. Now, he says here in verse 6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, he says here, be careful for nothing. And there are those that have translated that, be anxious for nothing, or be not overly anxious. The fact of the matter is, I think that Paul is making a play here upon two indefinite pronouns. Now, Paul used this type of reasoning and this type of logic, and he's putting over one against the other these two indefinite pronouns, and I think the emphasis is upon them. Nothing and everything. He says here, and if I may give you the translation that we call here in Southern California, the Magius ad absurdum translation, it goes like this. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Now, prayer is the secret of power. Now, to worry about nothing. Now, we had a while ago a commandment. This is one of the new commandments he's given us. Rejoice. That's one. Now, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. That is the thing that he's saying here. Now, nothing is a very interesting word. Nothing is, it's nothing. (laughs) If you have something, it's not nothing. Now, that's not good grammar, but it sure is accurate. Nothing. Nothing is nothing and you're to worry about nothing. Now, does that mean that we're to look at life with rose-colored glasses and that we are not to face reality, that sin is not real, sickness is not real, problems are not real, and we're to ignore them? Is that what he means? No, Paul. When he says worry about nothing, it's because we're to pray about everything. Now, nothing is the most exclusive word in the English language. It, believe me, leaves out everything. Worry about nothing. That means nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a commandment I'm afraid I break. I worry. Worry about nothing, but pray about everything. And the reason that we're to worry about nothing is because we're to pray about everything. Now, that means that everything that's in a Christian's life He ought to talk to the Lord about it. I do not think that there is anything in the Christian's life that should be left out. We should absolutely, we should pray about everything. Someone came years ago, so I was told, to the late Dr. G. Camel Morgan. And this dear lady said to him, Dr. Morgan, do you think we ought to pray about the little things in our lives? And Dr. Morgan, in his characteristic British manner, he said to this lady, Madam, can you mention anything in your life that's big to God? You see, when you and I say that we're going to take our big problems to God, what do you mean big problems? It's all little stuff to him. What we call little, he wants us to bring it to him. And what we call big, he says, bring it to him. Pray about everything. Take it all. And I believe that a Christian ought to get in the habit of talking to God and bringing everything to him in prayer, nothing excluded. I have attempted this on several trips I've made by car 
that involves several hours driving, of just inviting the Lord Jesus to go along with me. And I talked to him. I just talked to him. I tell him about Vernon McGee. I tell him things about Vernon McGee I wouldn't tell you. And I tell him everything. And I think that we ought to learn to do that. We ought to pray about everything. I think today that I'm going to conclude by sharing with you something written by Fenelon, one of the mystics of the Middle Ages. And I think this characterizes and is the thing that Paul means here when he says, pray about everything. And I'm quoting now, tell God all that is in your heart. As one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles, that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys, that he may sober them. Tell him your longings, that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes, that he may help you to conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations, that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart, that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself as to others. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, troubles, there'll be no lack of what to say. You'll never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want subjects of conversation. They do not weigh their words, for there is nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of the heart, without consideration, just what they think. Blessed are they who attain to such familiar, unreserved intercourse with God. I carry that little clipping in my Bible and have carried it for years. Every now and then I take it out and read it. I think it's good to tell him everything. Why are we not to worry? Because we are to pray about everything. We are to face our problems. We are to recognize them, but we're to take them to God in prayer. These things, everything in a Christian's life is to be made a matter of prayer. Now, here is something else that is coming up, and we won't be able to develop it today, but we will next time. And this is really something that looks like a contradiction. It is a paradox, I'll grant. He says here to worry about nothing, pray about everything, that is, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And do you know what Paul is saying here? Paul says you are to thank God when you make a request of him for answering your prayer because he'll answer it. Now, somebody's going to say to me today, Preacher, you just well stop. And I am right now in a second. But you just well stop because I've got unanswered prayers. I don't believe you have unanswered prayers if you're a child of God. I believe that God hears and answers all the prayers of his children. We're going to see what we mean by that next time. So until then, may God richly bless you. 
Bible Life. If you have a sick relative, are praying for the salvation of someone you love, or are even waiting for the doors of employment to open, you need to be reminded of this truth. God hears and answers the prayers of his own. Be sure to come back next time when Dr. McGee explains more about this bold statement and then hear more about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Until then, if you'd like to find a resource to deepen your love and understanding of God's Word, well, head over to ttb.org. There you're going to find so many great resources, including the Bible companions that I mentioned earlier and then our weekly email called This Week on the Bible Bus. And while you're checking those out, don't miss our monthly newsletter. This month, it's all about Philippians. If you want to download your copy right now, you can do that or subscribe to receive the newsletter every month, either to your mailbox or to your email. Just visit ttb.org. You can also call us 1-800-65-BIBLE. As we go, I'm Steve Schwetz, praying that you walk by faith in Jesus Christ and believe what he says is true. May you each go and be glad in the Lord. Jesus Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?